0: and gentlemen, and welcome to the True Grit Podcast, where we believe that personal growth and helping each other solve important problems is the best way to make the world a better place. I'm your host, Craig Couch, and every week, it's my job to interview top performers and unlock the secrets to their success so that you and I can apply some of their thought patterns, daily rituals, and strategies to our own mission. My next guest is Scott Dennett of Dennett Construction which he founded almost 25 years ago. He started out with 300 bucks, a pregnant wife, a mortgage, and two car payments, and grew both of his companies to almost 80 employees, with revenues deep into the eight figures. He recently launched Paramount Plumbing with two guys in a truck five years ago and is about to cross the $10 million mark uh, with 38 employees with this brand-new venture. Some of Dennett Construction's most notable projects include one safe place at at 80,000 square feet, a 60-acre development called Champion Circle, and St. Philip's Catholic Church. Scott has two kids and has been married to Elisa for 25 years and uh, races motorcycles and bicycles and is a seasoned boxer with uh, super fast hands, and I actually have first-hand experience of what it feels like to get punched by Scott Dennett. Uh, So we have a bunch of fun things to cover today um, because you have some pretty cool insights, Scott, uh, on how to build a company from the ground up. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. You and I, uh, Scott, have some things in common as it relates to adventure uh, and that adrenaline. Um, We've raced bicycles together. We've been in the boxing ring duking it out. Uh, we share the love for fast cars and motorcycles, um, and really adventure is actually one of my core values to uh, to make sure I have adventure in my life, and it's often tied to getting a good workout. Um, so, walk me through why adventure is is important to you.
1: You know, I, I thought about this years back, and you know why everything that I do required wearing a helmet. You know. Uh, <laughs> know it's like everything i do i have to have a helmet on and so um and i just realized that it was perfect outlet for me because you know i live in a very volatile world construction is extremely volatile and can be very negative in given moments so when i get into racing bicycles or climbing or motorcycles i i have to get in a flow state so basically in order for me to be successful and safe, I have to actually just concentrate just on that item. So or what I'm doing at that moment. So when I completely disconnect and I can't think of anything else except for what I'm doing at that moment, it just really helps my body reset, my, my brain reset. And then, you know, after a weekend at the track on my motorcycle and, you know, Austin or wherever we're, we're at, man, I come back, I'm just so fresh and I'm exhausted, but I'm just ready to go. It's, it's just, it's, and valuable to my day-to-day life
0: yeah it's almost a yeah it, it, it is a reset button this 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 thing where you're you can't focus on sort of the roller coasters of business you can't focus right. on the drama at the office or how a deal fell through you, the only thing you can think about is the next turn
1: exactly <laughs> yeah you, can, you can't think of anything you know it's kind of our my selfish reset time you know i can't think of You know, anything, family, finances, business, nothing at that moment. I'm just totally focused. Everything else around me is totally abstract.
0: Well, um, so you've had a pretty, pretty big spill recently um, on your motorbike uh, out of the track. Uh, What happened?
1: So, yeah, I was, uh, man, I was on fire that year. You know, it was basically last year. I was just crushing it super fast, just came out of the gate at the beginning of the year, just crushing it, doing really well at races and track days. And, uh, I got a little bit ahead of myself in Austin and, uh, came off the track, you know, the bike went into what we call a false neutral. And basically I re-engaged gear and it high sided and threw me, you know, basically body slamming at 70 something miles an hour. Um, somehow my foot got caught underneath the bike and crushed it. I mean, just broke every, you know, some bones twice in my foot and uh and have major surgery and but now I'm back up and running. So I'm good now.
0: Yeah, you're right back on the bike. And I think for, for people that are not wired like you, um, it's gotta be confusing to them because they may be thinking to themselves, when is Scott going to learn? Um, that riding motorcycles is dangerous. W- what do you think people misunderstand about the risk that you take physically?
1: You know, everything has risk. I mean, people think that riding a bicycle down a street is safer than riding a motorcycle on the track, and that's not true. I feel like the most dangerous thing that I do it of, of all my hobbies is riding a bicycle on the road because, A, you're dealing with people that are in vehicles and they're have cell phones when you're on the track everybody's going the same direction um they're all focused on you know on the other motorcycle and you're wearing a a tremendous amount of safety gear my my suit has an airbag in it it runs off gps so if it senses that i'm going to crash it actually deploys the airbag to protect my neck my collarbone my chest and everything else so it's 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 pretty cool it's pretty high tech
0: no kidding. I, I, I saw a video of those a, a few years back and it was th- thought, man, that is, that is incredible. So it senses, did it, did it sense your high side crash and deploy? Oh, yeah, or? yeah.
1: My head never hit the the initial impact. My head never hit the ground. That's just so it, yeah. uh, and so that basically, so my neck wasn't sore. The only thing I had not a scratch on me, not a bruise. The only thing I had was my you know, shattered foot. Um, So after I got, after my surgery and I was recovering, the doctor cleared me to walk in a shoe. This is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And I said, what do you think about motorcycles getting back on the bike? Because I can walk. He goes, well, I would advise just stop riding. riding. Right? That's not going to happen. So this is Tuesday before Thanksgiving. I get approved to walk, period, in a shoe. Saturday after Thanksgiving, I'm back in Austin dragging a knee around the track. Uh, no kidding. But you know, it's just he goes. You know, a, a bone that's not healed is is you know is can break. And I said, well, obviously, a bone that's pretty solid can break too. So I, I think I'm good. Uh, so yeah, I just have to be really careful. But.
0: Well, so. You know, I, I think that that's pretty amazing and, and pretty fast. Like, uh, that I don't think I would have done that. I don't know if I would have been able to get my swollen foot into a motorcycle boot. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that it I think the requirement for adventure, at least for me, um, really does help clear my mind. And I feel like without wearing a helmet uh, pretty much every other day at the very minimum, um, I get a little bit clouded and I actually notice my ability to, uh, to be creative and to solve problems decreases. It goes down actually. Um, and so when you're in a recovery state um, and can't really do what you normally do, are there any other things that, that you do to clear your mind uh, when you can't, when you can't necessarily work out uh, like you do?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, uh you know, really I've I've just become so addicted to activity over the years and it's just been such a big part of my life of a day to day. Um, so when I don't have it, it's actually not great. Um, so I haven't found anything other than that physical exertion where I'm completely immersed in what I'm doing. I really haven't found anything that actually can take that its place, you know, um, you know, so I know I, I don't.
0: I was really hoping you would teach me something because I haven't found anything either.
1: <laughs> I not found that magic pill yet. But uh, <laughs> if somebody has it out there, let me know because uh, I'd be interested in hearing it.
0: Well, so you started your company 25 years ago, pregnant wife, you know, a uh, couple car payments, mortgage. um but there was there was a before that, and there was a gap between kind of your school and starting this company. What did you do before you started uh,
1: dental construction? Oh well, I worked for my father's company. He's in construction uh, most my young life, and then so when I left his company right after I got engaged, basically two weeks before I was going to be married, I actually left this company and uh, um, got a job in. Weatherford uh, construction company there and I actually worked for them for just under a year. And then after um, I was actually let go from that company um, for whatever reason. And I, you know, I just had to put food on the table. So I started, I said, you know, I'll just start my own company. You know, I didn't know what else to do. Really didn't want to have to go try to hustle another job. Um, And I just, I don't know what clicked in my head. And I said, you know what, I'll just start Scott Dennett construction at the time. I didn't know what else to call it. So I just called it Scott Denton Construction and um, just started doing oddball stuff, you know, just uh, tearing off roofs and painting houses and just oddball handyman stuff.
0: Yeah. And so, you you know, you you obviously saw that there was an opportunity at some point early on. So you you were a one man show, right? At first, right. Uh, scratching and clawing your way um, to put food on the table and make sure you don't lose your house. Uh, and right. things like that. Um, and so what was the transition like to, um, to hire your first employees or your first few employees, um, to come alongside to help you grow a construction? Um, because I think a lot of our listeners, Scott, are, um, are building their companies and, you know, kind of would love to hear from you what that was like. Cause you got to give up some, you got to give up some control to do that
1: right yeah it was funny my first person that ever came to work with me uh was actually uh my competitor uh on because i used to do uh apartment renovations so after somebody would move out i would go do the make readies and this guy was actually in the navy and actually did it part-time and he was my competitor and then after he got out of the navy you know he and i became pretty good friends just communicated here and there and he said hey Start, starting my own business, um, can you help me out? So I, you know, I helped him out, gave him some Excel sheets to help him bid work. And then he quickly realized that being a uh, self-employed person is not the greatest thing on the planet for everybody. So he said, hey, would I would be interested in bringing him on. And I, said, I, I, don't, I didn't hesitate. I said, yes, come on. And he he basically sat down and started we clicked immediately. So he was my first person to come to work with me. And then, you know, and with my mentality, it's just evolved. I mean, I, it's not like I have to sit here and contemplate my next move. I mean, basically I I go with the flow and I, you know, I'm pretty good at understanding needs and based on direction. And so um yeah, it's just kind of just evolved. And luckily for me, just over the years I've Come across some incredible people. Our office—I've got some of the most incredible people. I thoroughly enjoy working with every one of them. So we're just very fortunate.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes up makes it does make all the difference in the world. So, well, so I want to do a little a little exercise. I think would be kind of cool. So imagine that um, the Neely School of Business at TCU was studying uh, dent construction. Um. And their goal was to try to uncover some of the best decisions that you've made over the years. W- what do you think that they would
1: find? Oh, um, they would probably find like they'd be probably shocked that we're still here. First of <laughs> <all>. <laughs> like, how's this guy even making it? This is incredible. This we need to do a study on it. Um, no, I think you know everybody preaches culture and and uh, mental. Well, being in an office environment, because construction, if you really think about it, um, it's one of the most volatile businesses in the world, I feel. Um, It can be extremely negative. There's a lot of things going on at any given moment, a lot of players. Um, So the expectation is that you put all these people into from every walk of life you could imagine with everything going on in their life at any given moment you put them in a really tight environment and you put them in a really volatile environment and then you expect them to work cohesively and perfectly and make great decisions every single minute of the day. Um, You know, and you throw a few hand grenades in there and a few issues. And then, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy to expect that all that's going to go cohesively all the time. Um, But back to the beginning is culture. It's just that it's that mental well-being of a company. It's, everybody preaches culture. You can talk to any company around and everybody says we got the best culture. Everybody gets along this, that, and the other, but a lot of companies preach it, but they don't really put the effort in every single day that it takes for that to be successful. Um, and I feel like you have to have everybody, everybody in like everybody has to be all chips in on that. And I, I think over the years that that's something that I have, grown i've fallen short on it a few times but i feel like that is the main thing with any kind of company is working cohesively together feeling comfortable communicating the good and the bad Um, and you know i just feel like that is the key the key to success is culture and communication and i think that that's we're just now after almost 25 years kind of really kind of getting on top of that wave
0: yeah, it it's pretty astounding how long it takes to to build that cohesiveness. It 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 really right. has been shocking for me. I I mean, I've been in business for virtually the same amount of time you have and and uh I'm I'm a little bit mystified by how long it took to to build a team. And I think that's one thing, one right. mistake that entrepreneurs make early on in their career is they just expect this cohesive Right. you know, vibe and this, uh, as you describe it, this flow early in the early in the process. And it just takes forever.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause your mentality your. I think my biggest issue I had for the longest time is I would have phenomenal, very talented people come in. I would see them with all their good, all their attributes that they had, all the good stuff that they had. And I would put my drive in their, vessel basically Mm -hmm. and and i would set them up for failure because their trajectory i would mark their trajectory as extremely high when in all actuality it's it's not it wasn't as high as it was because based on their history based on where they are today and based on where they're going the trajectory was, was much lower so i stopped doing that because i didn't want to put too high of expectations on people i wanted them to kind of grow at their own pace and so that's one of the major things that I've learned over the years is um, not to put my drive into somebody else.
0: Wow, that's it. That, that how do you determine um, when you see kind of an A player in your company that you've just hired? How do you determine their trajectory or their natural trajectory? What are the other certain tools that you use? What how do you figure that out?
1: You know the biggest the biggest our best litmus test for for any kind of for anybody is adversity. You know, anybody can do anybody's business when everything's are going great and smooth and perfect. But when adversity comes into play, that really shows you exactly what type of person pe- people are in adverse situations. Um, whether they're running to the fire and dragging people out, or whether they're running for cover, you know, it's just so it really shows you what type of people. Um, they are. And, you know, in in any business, you need all types, but, um, when it, when it really hits the fan, I mean, you can tell who, who you can really count on and who's going to be there when, during the tough times. Cause you're, I don't care what business you're in, you're going to have tough times at any given moment.
0: Yes, for sure. Well, and that's a great segue into, um, just the next idea that I'd like to, to explore, which is some of the, some of my favorite, um, I have favorite, uh, what I call favorite failures, failures that taught me, um, a lot. Like you mentioned one before that one of the things that you learned was, you know, you put your drive into somebody else expecting a certain trajectory. Are there any of, do you have any favorite failures that helped you uh grow at the rate that you've grown
1: oh favorite uh man you know uh i definitely have graduated top of the class in the school of hard knocks (laughs) Uh, uh, top top one you know names on the building you know actually um but you know i'm just one of those guys i don't i've learned from every single issue like there's not a um, I don't know if there's a single mistake that I've ever made because you, you, we make them every single day. I mean, um, but I think the the biggest mistake that I've made over the years is how to deal with people that work with you. And if you notice, I don't really call them employees because I don't I don't really like calling people employees because that that sounds like they're working for me. But in all actuality together um, we're all equal everybody's just equally as important as the other it doesn't matter if they're sweeping the shop floor or, or me I mean we're all all equally important at any given moment um, so I think the biggest thing I've learned of failures is dealing with people you know how to deal with them um, but the human factor in everything because we are human and we all have a lot of things going on outside our professional lives um, and just putting those into the equation. Um, and I think earlier in, in my career, I was so driven that I would just, if somebody wasn't going the direction or going fast enough, I just, you know, my thing was just, was just kill everything. You know, just like, we're just going to just push, 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 push. And we would just, you know, I was just victorious for pushing people into to failure situations basically. Um, just because I had a drive and a pace that, and expectations, and you just can't put that on everybody.
0: That's a. I love that point. I think it's a really valuable point because typically the entrepreneurial spirit is bigger, better, faster. Uh, right. Bigger, and you know, your even your hobbies point to that, um, and it is unsettling to to a person that's more of a craftsman or someone that is steady Eddie, for example, you know, that, uh, that is very overwhelming and unsettling. And then you end up running really, really good people off.
1: That's true. That is true. Yeah.
0: So, well, so behind every good man, and my wife says this all the time behind every good man, uh, there is a great woman. Uh, tell me about, Um, Elisa's role in helping you along the way,
1: you know, she was really one of the first people to ever support and believe in me, you know, and I think that kind of pulled out a lot of, you know, I, I, it's not like just because she supported me and believed in me that I woke up one morning and I had all these things inside of me and, uh, or these, and, created these new things the 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 drive inside me has always been there. It's just, I've never had that had that somebody to believe in me to actually pull them out and for me to feel comfortable using them. Um, and so that was a big thing is having that, that support system. Um, you know, I've only known her six months longer than we've been married. So when we got married. We were, you know, it was like, we're still figuring things out. Um, <laughs> but uh, we knew right away, you know, we're engaged, you know, two and a half, two, two and a half weeks after we met. So, um, so we knew, you know, um, uh, but to have that, like I say, to have that support system was, was priceless. And, you know, once we kind of started getting our family, um, and I use a bicycle term, hopefully everybody can understand it, she took a tremendous pull at the front. Basically mm. she, she took, uh, she took the lead and took care of the kiddos and took care of the house and make sure everything was dialed in because anybody that's starting a new business just knows how absorbing that is and so i lived work for many many years um and so it, she she definitely you know like I say took a big pull at the front and she's been extremely supportive of all my hobbies you know i've never had that actually ask her if I could go do something. I just, you know, she's given me the ability uh, and, you know, to go do it because she knows how important that is to me and mentally and physically. And so, so now it's just been tremendous to have somebody support you in every aspect of your career. You know, just, it's priceless.
0: Well, I, I would like you to zoom in a little bit on what kind of belief you're talking about um, that she had in you Uh, because I I have, I have a suspicion that, that there's something deeper there that, that was really meaningful to you and empowered you in a way. Uh, Is that, is that the right line of thinking?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, we were young. She's 24 years old. I was 29. You know, she's much younger than me at 24, 29. I mean, you're, but I don't know if it was, you know, she definitely supported me. Um, but you know, you know, starting a business, you know, she's pregnant with her first, our first daughter, you know, and now actually, well, she really didn't have a choice. I mean, <laughs> I mean we we're, were in it pretty deep at that point in time. Uh, but you know, I think, I think she saw something in me that I didn't, you know, uh, you know, and felt it. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence when I first started my business or, you know, my career. Um, but it came around pretty quick, you know? Um, but I think that's what she, that was the main thing is I think she saw something in me that I was, I, I hadn't seen yet. It was there, but I just, I just, I just didn't trust, trust myself or didn't see it at that moment.
0: So, having this fuel, um, so to speak, um, to to really execute and get into that that zone of, of hard work for so many years, was there a, um, a particular mentor um, or someone that came along side of you um, as you were growing your companies?
1: You know, I think everybody that I came in play with whether I dealt directly with them or just in distance I've always been that person that connect that can look at someone and look at their what they're doing um, and pull the good out and also not only pull the good out but pull pull out the bad so over the years it's not like I've had mentors and people in my life that taught me all the good ways of doing things I've seen people do things and and though, and then I realized that that's not how I want to be, or that's not how I want to do business. Um, and so, you know, i I I've basically have learned from countless people in Fort Worth. And I think that's why I've just loved this town so much. Cause there's so many good people here. Um, and so I've just, you know, I've learned good and bad from multiple people. There wasn't one particular person, um, that I was actually took me under their wing. I mean, I was I was basically when I first started, I was on my own.
0: You were on your own, and you had the knowledge. I'm guessing, and I'm I'm making an assumption here. And just correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing that you, while you were working with your your father's company and maybe that company out in Weatherford, you were you were potentially learning some of those goods and bads. Like and decided, I don't like either one of these environments. And that's, was that one of the reasons that you decided to do your own thing?
1: I I think so. You know, I really have thought back and of what actually drove me to start my own business because I never had anybody said, Hey, you know what? You should start your own business. I think I just realized that I needed to put food on the table and, um, you know, I may have between, Right after I left the company in Weatherford, I may have picked up—I can't remember—but I may have picked up a side job here and there to put food on the table, and just decided that, hey, you know what, this is where I need to be. This is what I need to do. Um, so,
0: yeah, it's 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 a hard question to answer, um, yeah. but you're you're basically describing sort of a tapestry of of people over the years that you've observed from afar. That uh, that were doing both good and bad things, and it was like you were eating the fish and spitting out the bones along the way. And uh, I agree with you about that. I mean, there's there's um, definitely um, some rock solid people in, in our in our town that we can take notes from, both good and bad. Um, so back in back in 2014, um, you started a new company, um, and uh, Dennett Construction had been going you know, along for almost two decades. Um, How did you know it was time to start Paramount Plumbing?
1: Oh, well, that time was pretty interesting because at that particular moment, I actually did have a partner that had bought in uh, to the company prior. And right around that time, uh, with Paramount, when I started Paramount, I had just bought Denton Construction back from my partner, bought the building we're in, started Paramount, and we opened Silverleaf Cigar Lounge all within 30 days of each other uh, at that time. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, but with Paramount, um had a master plumber that we'd worked with for years, phenomenal person, great guy, and he... For whatever reason he wasn't working with the company that he was working with and he was hanging around our office for about a week and he was in here one day and he said well I've got to leave I'm gonna go talk to these guys about starting up a business and I said oh you want to start a plumbing company he goes yeah he goes that's why I've been hanging around here I want to start a plumbing company and I'm like well if you want to start a plumbing company let's start it let's go and uh, I said what do we need and he goes we need a truck I already got two guys lined up and we need to a- buy some tools and all the stuff and I said okay well let's buy a truck and let's buy some tools and let's get the name going and I called uh, a buddy of mine Bill Brammer who does uh, you know uh, logos and stuff for companies and branding and we told him what we wanted we came up with Paramount Plumbing and the logo and everything and we that's basically how we started it wasn't like we did a bunch of financial planning, and this is, you know, how we were going to attack it. Is like, start a plumbing company. Yeah, let's go. And that's basically how we started it. I mean, I believed in him. He believed in me. Um, he's a fantastic person. He's my partner. You know, uh, Paramount. You know, now now he has a stake in in the company. And um, yeah, that's one thing.
0: I really love that approach because you're not you're not being you're not being paralyzed by the planning. In other words, you you seem to be the type of guy and the type of founder that operates with things that are right in front of you uh, in the present moment. Um, and the other element that I'm that I'm seeing is that y- you know you you built quite a bit of trust um in that relationship with with your partner um over years like there was equity there. Am I am I right in that?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean that's that's we you know oh but Dennett, you know, I'm basically lone wolf. It's it's me right now. You know, hopefully we can work on that in the future on a succession plan and who you know because basically I started Dennett to put food on the table and now it's kind of grown into something else. So we definitely wanted to carry on, uh, and I kind of pushed that into Paramount. And having a partner, uh, where you know he handles the plumbing portion of it, and I handle more of the finance portion of it, and the and the culture and the business end of it, um, we learn from one another, one another, and it's been phenomenal. And to have you know someone that you can trust and and they trust you um, wholeheartedly. It's it's priceless. I mean, it's it's great. Um, I know other people have partnership and that partnerships, and they just have been unsuccessful at it. But you know, I've been very fortunate.
0: Yeah, and you've had. I mean, you've had. I'd like to really talk about the last five years because a ton has happened in the last five years. Because you you basically bought your partner out at um, at Denton Construction. Um. You have you bought the I guess you started the cigar lounge, um, which is really interesting. And at the same time started Paramount, is that correct? Right. Kind of all at yeah. once. And so, you know, five years ago you're you've got a dozen employees and now you have almost eighty. Right. Right. So describe some of these bigger challenges um that you face scaling at such a fast rate, because that's a I mean, that's a sevenfold growth. Um, as far as your team members goes in the last five years. Talk, walk me through, um, walk me through that, that path.
1: So five years ago when I started, you know, basically started all the companies over again. So five years ago, but then I decided that I wasn't really happy with the direction we're going. Mm -hmm. You know, I still had great people working here, but we kind of got complacent We're you know, People had been here for a long time. They really didn't want to maybe go the direction I wanted to go, which was continue to grow the company. Um, And we were losing a bunch of really good people because there was so much negativity in the company. So at that particular moment, I decided to rebuild then construction. So we did. So basically out of those 12 people that worked with me then, we only have two of those, three of those people. Wow. And so, and so everybody else is new. So, you can imagine how many years they've been here, not very many. So, I think our oldest employee at this point in time may have been here three or four years, or at, other than those three. Um, and then, so that was, you know, that was tough doing that simultaneously, dealing with a plumbing company that was growing uh, at a tremendous pace. And I was just putting in to do what we needed to do with Paramount, you had to put a lot of money in. So I was hemorrhaging cash, putting it into ter- in there to make sure that we had the best of everything so that we could actually have quality people and quality uh, work going out. Um, so Paramount's growing. They're growing at a rapid pace. Uh, and then we, I, almost too late, I realized that we were growing too fast. Mm. So I really had to put the reins back on Paramount because we were just, we had a tremendous amount of work going and uh and receivables but we just couldn't collect it so we were basically cash poor and so um so now i got Dennett going at a crazy pace paramount growing at a crazy pace and creating you know you know financial nightmare because we're growing so fast and overhead and then silverleaf my partner at silverleaf uh he was he basically runs that for the most part i Basically, just helped designed it and built it for the most part. That was basically all I had to do there. Thank goodness. Um, So yeah, it was it was extremely trying times over the past five years. But now you know, now it's paying paying back. Now we've got great people at Dennett. We're all heading in the right direction. You know, I got a lot of people just basically taking lead and taking charge of of what they need to do. Same thing at Paramount. You know, we've just been super fortunate with with uh, with the people that work working there so now we're starting to get ahead now we're starting to get ahead I wouldn't say we're totally on top of the wave but I don't know if anybody ever gets on top of the wave but we're doing really well so it's it's good
0: well that's that feels that 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 sounds just terrific and it's a, a great story of 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 growth for sure and you know I think back to I guess one of my favorite failures um, which was You know, one of the biggest mistakes I made early in business um, was bank debt. Uh, I ended up Scott with a couple million dollars in bad debt at 31 years old, um, which is a lot. It almost killed me um, because I wasn't willing to file bankruptcy, right? Uh, And uh, I wanted to pay it back, which I did. uh, But it was it was a hellacious climb out of the uh, swamp. Um, And I'm I'm curious to hear what your philosophy
1: is on debt. So when I was young, I borrowed a hundred dollars and it was excruciatingly painful to pay it back. Since then, I've been extremely fearful of debt. So I don't have any at Dennett. I've never borrowed money at DeNit. I don't use a line of credit. I've grown the company without that. And, uh, it's the idea of debt stresses me out beyond belief. Um, you know, Paramount's got a little bit, but not, I mean, just minuscule compared to most companies. And, and basically their debt is to me, you know, they owe me Scott Dennett money, but other than that, they, they basically don't have any debt either. So other than, you know, vehicles or buildings that we own, um, but for the most part, I'm so fearful of debt. Um, I think a lot of companies do run into that issue um, with you know it, with too much debt. And then my big fear is because you know who would have ever thought this virus would have come in and just strangled the entire country? You know, those unknowns are always going to come into play. And so I think that's where my big fear is with debt is you know if 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 basically the merry-go-round or whatever stopped today and you paid everybody off. Would you have any crumbs left? I mean, would you have anything left to live off of? And that's, that's, that's the big thing. Cause I don't want to owe anybody any money um, other than, you know, you know, buildings and cars and things of that sort, um, you know, trucks with our company. I mean, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those firm believers that, little amount of debt as possible. And I know you have to have debt to grow. And I've been told that I just prefer to grow slower. If it means growing slower versus faster with no debt, then I just grow slow.
0: That's that's really good advice. I wish, I wish that you were in my ear at 25 years old (laughs) because it would have saved me. I mean, I've got a ton of gray hair. (laughs) I'm telling you what. So, um, I have a friend that works for you, uh, Jeremiah Kellum. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we know each other from just from adventuring around, um, one of the best mountain bike and cyclists, uh, I know, uh, incredible athlete. And, uh, I called him the other day. I said, Hey man, I really want to know what you're learning from Scott um, I, I know you've been working there for a while. I'd love to hear what you're learning. And so he gave me a few things that he's learning from you and I'm going to go through each one. And I want you just to comment on these, uh, these things. Um, he said, um, that you have an intense drive for excellent excellence. Um, he really admired that. Um, and it was actually kind of, amazed by your drive um, and how with that drive you still are able to be detail oriented.
1: Can you comment on that? Yeah. I think that's something that, you know, er you've heard everybody say there's nobody's perfect or nothing's perfect. And, you know, I agree, but if you shoot for perfection and, you you know, if you do fall short, you're not going to fall too short. And I think that my experience, I don't have expectations on anybody else that I don't have on myself. In fact, I'm extremely hard on myself I'm harder on myself than I am on anybody else. Um, So yeah, my drive is to be the best person I can be. Do I fall short? Of course I do. I mean, but do I believe that I can be better? Do I believe I can strive to be a better person or, you know, do things better? Yeah. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, But yeah, I, I do have, uh, a drive and I do have high expectations of people. Um, and I, I have a, I don't like complacency and I don't like laziness because I, those are luxuries that I don't have. And I don't, I don't think anybody else in this company or anybody I work with should have them either.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, um, that's a great way to describe it. Um, the next thing that he mentioned that he thought was pretty cool, you know, your business is, is a lot about relationships and I don't mean inside your company. I mean, outside your company, uh, because, um, as a commercial construction company, you have to know a lot of people. Um, and one of the things that Jeremiah mentioned was that he was, uh, he was really amazed at how you were able to build relationships uh, but he's even more amazed at how you are able to nurture them. So I'd love for you to uh, dive in on those ideas a little bit.
1: So we, I have the philosophy that we chase plants. We chase people, not projects, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it doesn't matter who we work with. A lot of times we're working with somebody that works for somebody. And so my mentality is you take care of that person. You make absolutely sure that that person is protected and you're doing everything in your absolute power to make sure that you're doing a good job so that they're successful. Um, because, because if they're successful, then whoever they're working with is going to say, Hey, you're doing a great job and who whatever you're doing, just keep it going. And therefore you build that trust. Uh, trust is huge with me. And the more somebody trusts you the harder we have to work because it's not like they trust you. And then you can just take your feet off the pedals and just coast. No, you have to actually go harder because now, now it's just, now there's more at stake because now you've got this person that trusts you and you definitely don't want to break that. Um, So yeah, it's, it's nurturing relationships through trust, through respect. Um, You know, I kind of, you know, you know, I started the company, you know, with two things I had my ability and my word. Mm. And, you know, those are those are things that have helped me get through the years. And you No, know, we're human. Do we fall short? Do you know, do you do your best and people still don't think you've done enough? Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. But, you know, through those adverse situace, situations, you respect that person for whatever reason you move on. And, you know, hopefully your paths will cross later on then but, you yeah, for the most part, the answer your question is, you know, it's just um, it's just treat people with respect, you know, um, take care of them the best that you possibly can over and beyond. And, you know, uh, I think it pays back.
0: Yeah, it totally does. Well, the, the last thing that he uh, has observed while while working with you um, was your involvement in the community um, and doing things for our city. Um what is your what is sort of your um how do you make a decision on on what to support and what to um what to what what causes to help out?
1: Yeah, you know, I wish I could help everyone out. I mean I just just have you know, I didn't have much when we we didn't have anything when we got married. Um um and it's not like an incredible wealthy now but i don't need much and i just feel like there's not a whole lot i mean i i got my motorcycles and i got my bicycles and i've got my toys and like you know my kids are taken care of and all that but my thing is i don't need much I, I i love i feel so good when we can give back to the people and especially people in need you know children that uh in need. you know um you know, one of your projects that you mentioned was one safe place. And that's for uh, abused women uh, to go. It's a safe place. It's, you know, everything's there for them to go. And they, you know, they put them in a safe place, you know, they make sure they're taken care of. And we, that was 80,000 square feet that we did. And everybody went through a background check. So nobody was allowed on site. If they had any, um, uh, if they had any, uh, domestic violence in their in their history so cuz i just we just felt like it, it didn't make sense to have people with domestic violence in their history building a building a space to protect women from domestic violence and so that's why that's one of my most notable projects because i just feel so good about that that we just went that far to make absolutely sure that that thing wasn't tainted it was just it was it was it's was, it was a good place for people to be protected mm-hmm. um so those are the things that really drive me you know just uh those connections those things you know you, you run in friends and they totally believe in uh, uh you know uh whatever it is like we have a friend that does black dog you know benefits uh with, with leukemia lymphoma and it, you know she had a dear friend that the reason they started, started the event. And, you know, when you run into people and you care about them and they wholeheartedly believe it, you you know, you want to support them. And so, and that's, you know, part of the community. So it's basically that emotional, that personal involvement, that protection of our community, especially children um, because they are our future. So yeah, that's, you know, I don't have a rhyme to reason. It's like whatever, whatever pulls out my heartstrings or I feel like, you know, we need to help them out because they need help. I mean, that's the direction we go. Yeah.
0: I like that approach. I, I always struggle myself. I get invited to be on boards a lot and I just, I'm not really a board guy. It's hard for me to, to, right. to do that. Um, but I, I like the, doing the things that are in front of you um, idea um, that it seems like it seems to be a, a, a pattern that I'm noticing kind of, woven through your life that you're just, you're really into, uh, to what's right in front of you and not necessarily, uh, creating this big elaborate, um, strategy or plan behind how you give to the community. You just see a need and then you try your best to use your resources to meet that need. And I heard through the grapevine, um, that you did something involving one of my previous podcast interviews, John Bonnell. Can you tell that story?
1: Yeah, um, so you know, John does that four meals for forty dollars, and you know, through this whole uh, virus situation, and kind of help out the community, and um, and you know, so I do a lot of my thinking, brushing my teeth or whatever in the mornings cause, <laughs> you know the phone's not ringing, you really can't talk to anybody, you just kind of do your deal, uh, and I'm, I just thought, I mean, just out of the blue, I just thought, you know, I want to do something, you know, and kind of help kind of give the community a little bit boost. So I text John I said, Hey, you know, how much is how many meals and how much is it? And he told me, and I said, would it be okay if I bought all the meals? And he goes, and I said, I don't want to advertise. I don't want to tell them who, who it is. I don't want to advertise. I don't want to post sign out or anything. And he texts back. He goes, that'd be fantastic idea. We just won't advertise it or anything. He said, but you know, be good idea to put like a little note in it. So we did, we put a little card inside and, um, and so, so John was able to, we bought all the meals. So everybody that lined up that night all got free meals. And, and, <laughs> and they didn't know it was free until they right. went to pay. Right. Right. And the coolest thing is, is exactly, you know, I wish I can felt, I felt it through John because John is just a phenomenal person. That got does so much for the community and he's such a great guy. You know, definitely he's, he's one of those people that I pull the good from that I see. And that's, you, know, you learn from that. Uh, you know, you can double down and go deeper cause he does every day. Um, but when he told me, he goes, man, um, to see these people's faces whenever you told them that, Hey, this meal's for free, he goes, it was awesome. He goes, just the, just the reaction was, was priceless. And I'm like, that's exactly what we wanted we wanted that kind of boost that kind of unexpected boost that gives everybody just a little bit of little bit of goodness that day and that's exactly why we were doing it um you know the odds of me getting some big project out of somebody in line i mean it's it's highly unlikely but just (laughs) just to do that i mean just makes me feel good
0: yeah Well, I'm just really curious of what that that source or that conviction um, comes from. Is that is it a faith based type thing? Is it um, where does that conviction to do good for the community come from for you?
1: You know, like I said, I hadn't had much. You know, I was the guy basically when I was working in the field. I was a guy that would scrounge, you know, look for change under the floor mats so I could get a dollar seventy five so I could get a get a Brown bag at special at sonic or something just so i could eat lunch um you know so that's kind of my background so yeah if i've got some resources that i can give back and help people out and whether they you know a lot of people didn't eat 40 dollars for a free meal but i got some responses back where that which was phenomenal for me made me feel great is i did get some responses from people that said man that really helped us out and we appreciate it and Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think my drive is just, I know there's, uh, I know everything is that those little things help people out. And mm-hmm. I'll give you a really quick story is when I first started my business, I was doing a job for, uh, a great person here in Fort Worth and I gave him my invoice and, uh, he paid me, up, bolted up the check. First of all, he asked me if I was making any money on his house. I said, I'm doing okay. I folded up the check, put it in my pocket, I took it home, and I walked in the kitchen and, because we had to go to the grocery store, but we needed the check to put in the bank, so we could go to the grocery store, so we would write a hot check. And so I opened it up, and he had paid me like $100 more than what my invoice was. And literally, oh my gosh, that meant the world to us. Like, we'd like we can do so much more now and it just like was such a relief to have that extra hundred dollars in the bank. Um, so I remember that. I remember the importance of, of a hundred dollars, um, to a family and what, what changes in, in your day-to-day that can make, um, you know, a hundred dollars at the time was like, it could have been a thousand dollars or more. Um, but I mean, it was, it was I still remember that today, you know, that that the feeling I got when I had that and the release that we had as a family, that, that we can do so much more uh, by paying bills or whatever it was at that time. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what drives me is is knowing that a little bit can go a long way with people at any given moment.
0: Yeah. Well, and you have that conviction, the source of that conviction really is just the direct experience of really needing yeah. that hundred bucks. And so that, I'm assuming allows you to be uh, a little bit more aware and tuned in to opportunities to help people that are truly in need, um, and I really admire that. I think that's awesome. Well, we are uh, we're running out of time, Scotty, but I want to um, I want to end with a fun little exercise, which is just some rapid fire questions. They're real easy one one. I'm scared. One <laughs> one 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 word answers. Uh, okay. or you can expand if you want, because uh, this interview's about you and celebrating what you've done and and how you've made an right. impact on our city. So, um, so what is the fastest you've ever been on a motorcycle?
1: Oh, we have put uh, a little over one ninety in Coda. Yeah, <laughs> on the back straight.
0: The back straight, one ninety. How did that feel?
1: Well, the one ninety, you don't really feel it. The slowing down to the twenty or thirty miles an hour within a short distance you feel that
0: you feel the you feel the slowdown for the next turn yeah yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah yeah the straight is the easy part uh the hard part is the is the the proper timing in the turn exactly so are you uh do you like the heavy bag or the speed bag in the boxing gym
1: oh i think i'm more of a, right now more of a heavy bag guy
0: well, I can tell by your punch it it really hurts. <laughs> um so are you a morning person or a night owl? Both. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I get up early and I then.
1: and I like to stay up late cuz I'm both I get up early and I can be by myself for a bit and I can stay up late and be by myself for a little bit and kind of just get my, my brain unwound.
0: Yeah, so the reason that you're both is solitude pretty much. Just a little yes. bit of solitude.
1: Just a smidge. It doesn't take much.
0: Okay. So um, is there something that you do
1: every day without fail? Oh, drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, for the most part, I mean, it's, I, I almost feel like I have to have some kind of physical activity almost every day. I mean, it's five to seven days a week, you know, Yeah. Uh, when I miss out on a day, I just kind of feel like I've. Like it's just a big part of my life. Like I just have, I just feel like I'm, I have to have it in order to have my, my 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 mind right. In fact, one of the people in my office um, commented to me, I guess a couple months ago, said, "Hey, did you work out today?" And I said, "I did." And they said, "You know, we can. I can tell when you work out because you come in and you're just your your expression, or you just look different when you come in." Really? So that, yeah. So that kind of made made me feel good that I, you know, that that what I was feeling actually came out, you know, and that you could physically see it. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Or well. I could just be tired as hell, and they just were like, you know, then you know, and so therefore, I, you know, wasn't uh, as as aggressive as I it can be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you're a little bit the the lion has been yeah. tamed a little bit by a hard yeah. workout. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you have any uh, favorite books that? you, um, you've, you've recommended to people. Um, are you a reader much or
1: I'm not a big reader, you know, I think, you know, it's, I think a simple read, that's just a good read that I thought was great was, you know, that they made a movie out of it, that art of racing in the rain. Um, oh. it's just a simple book, but it's a great book. It's way better than the movie, but no, I, you know, that was one of the books that I do remember that I've recommended to a lot of people. Um, just because it is a simple book but it is you know um, but it was entertaining so yeah
0: is it a story or is it more of a r- literally how to race in the rain or is it more of a no
1: it's more of a story so it's basically a book written through kind of a, a dog's eyes basically the dogs the one that's basically the ones you know telling the story uh, but it but it's an interesting book it's a it's a good book it was one of those books that and i'm not a reader but it was one book that i couldn't put down
0: <laughs> well we'll link to that book in the in the show notes for sure so
1: do you uh, how do you consume the news i i think news is the day-to-day news is so they just focus on so many negative issues that you know that i just kind of highlight a little bit here and there i might check the internet and kind of that i love i just more on the internet just because i can actually read through and read the stories that I feel I want to read versus watch it. And you're just kind of, you're, you're just, um, captive audience. If you watch it on TV. Um, but no, I mean, there's, there are some positive events out there. I, mean, I think that's some things that we need to focus on as a society and not so much just the negative ones. I mean, there's some, there's some good things and good people out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I feel that I, I pretty much don't watch any news on TV at all. I pretty yes. much read the news, um, right. I, but I only spend maybe, maybe it was less than ten minutes a day. Yeah, that's uh, me because it feels like it drags me down, um, and then I feel it causes of, causes me anxiety actually, and is actually counterproductive to me. But I'm always curious of of how other other entrepreneurs consume the news because I've got friends that that watch an hour of news a day. And I'm just thinking, oh. man, that would, that would give me a brain aneurysm. <laughs>
1: no, I'm about a 10 minute person. Yeah.
0: So your time is super valuable, Scott. Um, what is the number one thief of your valuable time?
1: Looking at cars and motorcycles online. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the, you're on the Ducati website. I'm uh, like, uh, uh, bring a trailer, yeah. you know, looking at all the cars that I will not be buying, but it's fun to look at. And, yeah. You know, watch the auctions go by.
0: Um, so my final question is a fun one. Um, so let's assume that you have a DeLorean parked um, in your garage. Um, this is a back to f- the future reference. And uh, you could go back in time and talk to your 35-year-old um, Scott Dennett itself. What would you whisper in your ear?
1: Oh, I'd rather go back and talk to my twenty-five-year-old Scott Dennett itself and say, "Hey, you need to start your own career like yesterday." Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wish you because I really didn't start my business till I was thirty. But I, you know, I wish I could have gone back and said, "Hey, you got this. Um, you have the ability. You just got to trust yourself." And I wish that I just went out on my own way sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and could I that way I could have learned a lot of my things I needed to learn as a young man versus a person that had, you know, wife and kids and all these other responsibilities. So yeah, that's that's what I would have loved it to be able to do. But you yeah. know. There you go. But if I can help a younger person out so they don't have to live through some of this, then that, that's good too.
0: Yes. Well, well, Scott, this has been a super fun interview. Uh, one that will really benefit someone who is in the midst of scaling their business for sure. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts?
1: Don't be so afraid to step out there. I mean, like say, I mean, I never, like I, i built dental construction out of necessity, you know, but I built Paramount plumbing out of just want, you know, just like it was there and, and like you you hit it on the head, you know, you know, just don't be paralyzed by the idea or, you know, basically all the coulda, shouldas and what it was like. Just, sometimes you just got to get out there in the deep end and kind of see what you're made of. I mean, that's just what it's all about. You never know to you're out there. Hell, you might be a damn good slimmer Or you might not be a very good slimmer, except to see.
0: You just have to see. Well, that's a great, great way to put it. Well, folks, that wraps up our show for this week. Do me a favor and type in TrueGritPodcast.com and subscribe to the True Grit blog. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you will get a super short nugget that will help you become a better leader. Included in these posts, you will also get the show notes with links to books, articles, and other cool things discussed on the show. Thanks, as always, for listening to the True Grit Podcast, where we believe that personal growth and helping each other solve important problems is the best way to make the world a better place.